And we thank you for allowing us this opportunity to hear your word. Speak to us, Lord. Give us what you would have us to know today. And we thank you in advance for the deposit that you're going to place in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Praise God. So. I thought I'd talk today about what's important to Jesus. What's important to Jesus? You know, some of our teaching over the past uh, several decades has has been so oriented to the person, uh, to what our personal needs are, using our faith for uh, what we need to live off of, so forth and so on, and that's important. Uh, however, there is uh, God to consider. And so we need to understand what God is looking for out of his people, what's important to the Lord, uh, because <clears throat> certainly we want to please him. Uh, we need to know the God that we're having faith in, and we need to know what he expects out of us. Um, I think sometimes, in a, in, a, in a way, we're a little afraid to try and find out what he expects, you know, or... If there is an expectation, I think sometimes we don't even think about it, except when something <clears throat> doesn't go our way and then we're wondering what we did wrong. And so it's it's kind of backwards, I think. I think if we understand the expectation up front, we can gear our lives toward pleasing God and doing the things that are important to the Lord. And so in Matthew chapter 5, we can start there. And, <clears throat> you know, this is one of many uh, sermons that Jesus preached. Uh, he uh, he is, still is, the greatest preacher uh, uh, that has ever lived and has ever preached. And I say that because all of his words come to pass. They're all true. And not many people who are speakers can say that. Not a lot of preachers can say that. You know, we we uh, preach according to what we know, what we believe, the revelation that we possess. And sometimes we have to correct ourselves a little bit later we find out something we didn't know and we spoke something in advance that wasn't revealed to us so forth and so on and that's why the Holy Spirit dwells in all of us uh, the speaker as well as the uh, congregation <clears throat> so that he can judge the words and give you a witness as to the truth and the origin of those words. So Jesus was able to speak truth at all times. He was able to share what was relevant at all times. He never said a word that was not relevant. It was all important and was all important to know. And so there's the integrity of, of Jesus as being higher than the integrity of anybody who has ever spoken before. And I think that's a great thing. Because if you think about the time in which Jesus lived, it was a time of a, a <clears throat> kind of like an, uh, an outburst of public speaking. Um, the Greeks were very, very uh, adept at speaking publicly, uh, they were uh, dis disciplines like uh, oratory and elocution and all of those things started to come into play because people wanted, they thought that was the way to improve the quality of the human being, uh, is to make sure that the human being was able to speak correctly. The era of public debate started 
at that time uh, where you could go into a public forum and uh, begin to gather a crowd around you and begin to uh, speak whatever it is was that you felt was important uh, all of that <clears throat> came into being at the time of Christ and so you can see his preaching the gospel kind of fit right in with what the culture uh, how the culture was established at the time uh, that's why we have in our culture many people who are using the airwaves and the radio waves and media to project the message of the gospel so in every era we use the available um, uh, tools of the culture uh, to get the message of the gospel out so there's nothing wrong with putting the gospel on television there's nothing wrong with publishing it putting it on radio etc etc uh, it's sometimes difficult for people to stay focused on the message and that's <clears throat> where Jesus differs from what we have now in media representation because um, Jesus always spoke truth and it didn't bother him what his detractor said just didn't and I think what we have now in a lot of Christianity is that we're bothered by negative comments which there's always going to be somebody who wants to persecute us for that I mean that just goes with the whole territory of the gospel at least you're doing the right thing if you stay with the word but if you veer off of the word and start man pleasing then, then God's not pleased with you so we have all kinds of different uh, uh, ideas floating around out there as gospel but when you go back to the teachings of Jesus you'll find out what the pure word of God actually says and if you'll stay with that then then you won't you won't go wrong at all you you'll be able to stay with that so he adapted uh, himself to the culture in which he lived he was able to get his message across and so when he began to teaching to preach that was when he was able to to talk to people and get them to focus in on what was important for him what's important to Jesus when you you see his preaching uh, you know that from the from his uh, his ministry uh, the signs and wonders ministry uh, many many people followed him now you'll hear uh, some preachers I think brother Hagen coined the phrase healing is the dinner bell you know it kind of gets people's attention and draws people <clears throat> to it and there's some truth in that because the demonstration of God's power is something to behold that's where the word miracle comes from the word mira means to behold or to look at it and so when we when we see the signs and wonders of God not only are they to alleviate human suffering but they are very dramatic and very eye-catching and so that <clears throat> in itself allows the person to come to attention but Jesus went further than that after he got the crowd together then he would sit them down and be able begin to explain to them things that were important to him for each person to know so in Matthew chapter 5 um, <clears throat> actually in 4 starting in 23 it says and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
And that is the gospel of the kingdom of God and demonstrating that kingdom. So here we have Jesus preaching an invisible kingdom that manifests in the now. That kingdom of God always manifests in the now. It manifests at the point of contact. It manifests at the expression of faith. And it manifests at the point of need. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It's not something that's coming and it's not something that's past. It's something that's now. You got me? There is no kingdom of God that's way off in the future somewhere that's going to come at some time in the great by and by that's not what he preached. He preached the kingdom uh, is is coming to bear upon you right now in the presence of the, the anointing and the Holy Spirit. And so he demonstrated by healing all manner, all kinds of sickness. He wasn't a specialty ministry. You may start out that way, <clears throat> but if you keep pressing into God and keep expanding your faith, you'll sit up one day and say, well, why am I just limiting myself to one thing or another? Now, we see down through the history of the church that's been so to a degree because people just didn't read. <laughs> you know, if you read the Bible, you see he killed all manner of sickness and all. When they would say, Are, do all have gifts of healing? You know, they would misread that scripture. So that people would think you could only heal one thing. You only got one gift. Well, you, you only need one gift of healing. That heals all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And so you have to let yourself understand these things according to God. How can you have a healing meeting and tell certain people not to come because you can only do a certain thing? It's not right. And so if you don't limit God, then you'll be able to see the full manifestation of his kingdom. And they heal all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people. <clears throat> that were taken with different kinds of diseases, torments, the devil possessed, and those which were lunatic. So you got quite the meeting going on here. <laughs> you know, could you imagine getting Uncle Roy out the nut house and, you know, dragging him in there as best you can? He foaming at the mouth and threatening to kill everybody and roaming around. But Jesus handled that and manifest the kingdom and healed all kinds of stuff. And so <clears throat> those that had seizures or the palsy and he healed them all. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee. Well, you know, you see somebody who can do all of that. That piques up your interest. And from Decapolis and Jerusalem for Judea and beyond Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went in, up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying... These things, and these are the things that I, I feel in this instance are important to Jesus. These are the things he wants us to keep in mind, and he wants us to understand. Now, <clears throat> it's possible that he had more than his disciples there. You know, he, he took would take his disciples apart, but what goes for the disciples also goes for the multitude. Amen? The more you teach behavior doctrine and that kind of thing the more the crowd thins out 
you know what I'm saying there's there's levels of interest always in what God's doing uh, disciples are those who will follow the master and go anywhere that he goes and will listen because they are being fed and that's the most important thing to them is that they receive life from that word then you got your casual people you know the the bigger the crowd is the more they're geared into the things that that tantalize the flesh and so multitudes sometimes will come because they want to watch what's going on <clears throat> they don't want to participate they don't want to really hear too much they just want to watch what's going on and so as the as you get farther and farther away from where the master is the less interest so to speak there is there's room for people to move up from the back to the front so that they can get more in tune to what's going on but in general it's the disciples that get the 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 bulk or the depth of the teaching so you can say that this teaching here in Matthew 5 that he called his disciples especially to hear this this is something that's essential if you want to serve God if you want to go on with God if you want to build a life in God this is an essential building block for that that's why this is such a popular sermon when people begin to preach and begin to talk about the things of God the Beatitudes is always a very popular sermon because it encapsulates everything that God expects from the believer so Jesus begins <clears throat> to teach them saying in verse 3 blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven so what does he mean when he says poor in spirit well you know that's that's uh, a an admission really and an acknowledgement that you don't have all the answers see you don't have it all there's something missing here there's a disconnect there's a, a connection that needs to be made so that there can be a sense of completion in you not a sense of loss when you're poor in spirit there's a darkness there there's a, a, an, a, a um, an awareness of your lack there's an awareness of your loss there's an awareness of your inability man so he says if you can admit that you don't have it all and all the faith all the revelation whatever it is that you are 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 establishing in life he says you will receive the kingdom so the kingdom of heaven actually that door to the kingdom opens to you once you acknowledge your lack and your need for God so the poor in spirit acknowledge their lack and their need from God well does that mean just once in a blue moon or once when you got saved a long time ago no because you've got to follow God you got to feed on his word you there's a poorness in spirit that we have all the time when your heart begins to search for something when it begin when it realizes there's something not complete here something not quite right there sometimes you'll experience a sense of loneliness or a sense of boredom or a sense of I, I can't I just don't know what it is but it's something there that's a, a poorness in spirit and if you will acknowledge that before God then he says I'll open up the kingdom to you 
I'll show you what it is that you lack. I'll show you what it is that you need. I'll I'll provide that thing that you hunger for. If you're full all the time, he can't feed a hunger there. This is the thing. And people who are full of themselves. You you know, when you're poor in spirit, you're kind of low on motivation. You're low on energy, plans, hopes, and dreams. It's amazing how poor in spirit some of our very successful people are. You know, but people that we consider to have made it. Look at the burnout rate for many of the people. This is what gets me with, with Christians sometimes. You'll see people in the church who all they they have the seed of that life that that people in the world are looking for and then we start admiring people out in the world and wanting to have what they have wanting to be like them you know you want the material you want the fame you want people to know you you want all of those things and you don't realize that all you have to do is acknowledge that emptiness inside of you and get a refill on it You've already got to start. All you need to get is a refill or a replenishment or an add to or something or the next step or the next piece in the puzzle. We've got young people out there who have been multimillionaires since they've been small children. And they're in drug rehab at 19 and 21 and, you know, slept with everything and everybody out there. They're totally burned out and wasted and they haven't even gotten uh, 20% of their life lived out or, or a quarter of their life expectancy done. And yet we got people in the kingdom of God who are looking out there admiring that looking out there desiring that and that's 100% wrong because what happens when say for instance God does connect somebody from his kingdom with somebody from the world what are you going to talk about what do you what's your what's your connection what do you where do you intersect with these people See, if you come in with the gospel of the kingdom, you'll deposit what God wants you to deposit with that people and you move on. Just like you do with uh, uh, a, a person who's not famous that you would share Christ with. You deposit that word and you move on. If you don't deposit, if you do anything other than what God tells you, you're a respecter of persons. You got me? And he, there's a distaste that God has for that. There's a distaste we have for it. Because you, you and I both see people schmoozing up to. Look at the people that, that lives get wasted and they're around Christians all the time. Whitney Houston's a good example. You know, she, was, she would sing with the Winans, be around them and all that instead of them helping her. Ministry, Whitney, 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 Whitney. You got me? No, you know, they don't have to disrespect her. But be prayerful about these things. When God puts you in the company of anybody, once you are blood bought, his kingdom comes first. What he wants comes first. It pleases him if you continue to recognize your need for him and be dependent on him. What happens oftentimes is God begins to bless people and little bit by little bit their heart gets stolen from God and they don't really need him anymore. They start looking for other things to to uh, satisfy them. They feel full instead of hungry. 
they don't feel spiritually poor they feel very well off and very rich and don't really need to humble themselves and do the things that God has always taught them to do so the spiritually bankrupt there's we start to notice this little separation between us and God it may come as a little a little thirst a little hunger a little you know a little discomfort here and there but it's there and so Jesus said if you can admit that you are poor in spirit admit that you really need some spiritual uh, oomph or some kind of jump start or some life there then you'll enter into the kingdom it's a good way to enter into the kingdom the bible talks about people who can can come in you know you come in through humility you come in through acknowledging yourself you know it says you know it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven etc etc i know people have dissected that and twisted it around in many different ways and all that kind of stuff but it's still true uh if you are trusting in this world's goods you're not spiritually poor enough to really receive from God and so that and that's how God gets a lot of people you know when you get broke and the friends leave that's and you know that's a, a that's just a visible sign of the spiritual emptiness that has always been there see when it starts to manifest that way when the outer starts to match the inner that's when people wake up sometimes and get an understanding hey uh, this this that I've been relying on is not helping me maybe I need something else you know that kind of thing so <clears throat> if you can acknowledge and recognize your need from God for God through humility and childlike faith then he gives you access to the kingdom now what is the the kingdom it's a spiritual state so we're talking about a spiritual kingdom and your first inkling that you need it is a bankrupt spirit an acknowledgement of a, a dearth in your spirit a, a lack in your spirit a poorness in spirit not a wealth in spirit but a lack or a poorness in your spirit and so when you you have that spiritual condition then you know that that you need uh, contact with God and he said contact with his kingdom what does that mean well you need one of the fruit of the spirit for sure righteousness peace joy love goodness gentleness self-control patience those kinds of infusions need to come into our spirits so that we can begin to be strengthened in what we need for for the journey here on this earth uh it's it's kind of like and you perceive it from time to time it's like when i get up in the mornings before i start my day it's like well where do i start you know what you have to do but you have to get your footing you have to get your 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 uh, uh, bearings with God you have to call in the forces that bring strength into your life and so very often I'll just start thinking about God and, and thanking him and blessing him and pretty soon I start to get stirred up on the inside so I'll, I can at least throw a foot over the edge of the bed you understand what I'm saying and and you know what you have to do but you could 
can do it in confusion and you can do it in defeat and in you know a lot of negative forces or you can can admit that man I'm low on something here you know energy or something or sometimes I'll I'll you know because I can keep the the cell phone you know charged up by my bed I guess everybody does that listen to dings all night long and I had to cut them little dings off you know because they don't really mean anything when you're trying to get some sleep and so I'll I'll grab the the scripture or the bible on there I'll turn on the podcast something for a point of contact because I'm admitting when I reach for that that I'm poor in spirit See, I've, I've run low. My battery needs charging. I need something. And that's consistent with God's word because he says, give us this day our daily bread. You only get enough bread for one day with God. I know people think that they can go for a long time. They think it's something cool to not use their Bibles. I don't get it. I'll see Preachers try to get up and preach with no Bible. God told me not to use my Bible. I said, no, he didn't. He told you because you all over the place. Maybe you need to think that again. You got me? I mean, they give you them shotgun sermons. They can't even stay consistent and focused. They don't have a message. That's why they put the Bible down. You need to pick that back up until you get a message. But that's a whole different different story right there. But, you know, you've got to come to a place where you realize who you are and how dependent you are on God. You never have it made. You never have it all figured out. You know, even the popular preacher has to get something from somebody else at some time. Because we're a body, folks. You, God can't. You, you couldn't hold all the revelation that Jesus holds. And so, when you get to those points where you you know what you need, then admit it to God, confess it to God, and start reaching out for it. God, I need something different today. I know I'm in my word and I read my word, but this isn't doing what I'm supposed to, what I think I need it to do on the inside of me. I'm not grabbing it on the inside like I need to. Sometimes we might go for a season with a little lack, a, a little hunger, you know, something a little gnawing at us a little bit. And then little by little that gets filled. You know, it's like God, God gives us enough so that we're not thinking that he's not with us anymore you know you get that confirmation you get that encouragement but it doesn't satisfy like giving you a whole meal would you understand he gives you a little bit at a time he allows us to digest and use what we have he wants us to put that word to use he doesn't want us to be collectors of the word or or people who think that we got it made somehow he wants us to use what we have and as he sees us using it then that creates kind of like a natural hunger almost like a, a drawing on the inside of us for more and that's that's a good place to be because then you're being led by his spirit and the holy spirit will always lead you to more of god he won't lead you to less of god he will lead you to more of god and so jesus points the way to the kingdom and so we we learn that his kingdom is a spiritual estate it's a spiritual place of dwelling it's a spiritual inheritance it's a spiritual property you get a sense that god belongs to you and you belong to god there's a sense of belonging there. Once you get, get that first hunger satisfied, 
you know and it's like <clears throat> eating a meal when Jesus said I am the bread of life boy truer words were never spoken because he'll feed you and you'll get satisfied and then after a while you start hungering for more got me there'll be some seasons maybe where you can feast and dine for a long period of time in the Lord you know and maybe seasons where you eat less but but there's always a time where you're open to receive from God and 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 that's always good because the Bible says that that we go in and out and find pasture you know you you have free access into the realm of God for revelation for understanding for all of those things and you can go in and out and always find food pasture means food it means grazing land it's a peaceful place to eat you're not rushed with your minute Bible and your minute scripture and your minute this and your minute that pasture is not rushed there's no time involved when you go in and out and find pasture. You might go in there, uh, you know, thinking that, well, I'm just going to browse around in the Word for a little bit. That's that's always my thing. You know, I'm going to uh, check this out, and then I say, oh, I found this, and then I found that, and then I found that, and I found that. Look at all I found in here. You got me? Because that's that hunger, when it's being fed, it kind of, uh, there's a, a feast there. There's a, um, an element of surprise uh, in that. It's kind of like... Um, you know they were talking they they in some restaurants high end restaurants they have what they call a chef's table yeah it's got more popular with you know some of the tv chefs and that kind of stuff but the chef's table you never know what's on the menu yeah. Yeah. but you know the chef can cook yes. <laughs> so that's why you there you don't care what he throws shoe leather oh i love that Give me some more of that shoe leather. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, and I think the word of God sometimes is like that. Because revelation begins to burst forth. And you get that taste in your mouth. And I said, I'm going to have another helping of that. And then that taste kind of settles in. And then you go on to something else. It doesn't, it's not the same flavor. But you know it's good for you. And you enjoy that as well. And so that's what it means to be poor in spirit. Always acknowledge that, folks. Don't ever let anybody try and convince you to one up somebody on the things of God you'll never one up nobody it's a trap of the enemy to try and get you to get retarded real fast in God you got me always be humble always be there to receive always be there to you know to sit so that you can can get you know I know in 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 our our conferences that was one of the things that that I felt was good for people to see is is other ministers sitting receiving from other ministers especially myself you know uh, you don't want to be kind of a know-it-all and a person that that doesn't need any teaching or any you know what I'm saying it's just stupid and so but the devil gets people like that so always puffing somebody up in their fleshly mind to try and make them sound like a spiritual big you know a spiritual uh, heavyweight and so with this being poor in spirit it's a good thing I know we, we you know faith people shouldn't use that word poor and I don't know what else we can use we might as well use what what's here you know lacking having a desire having a desire for more not totally totally you know we can we can feel full and like Paul said he says I know how to be full and hungry at the same time 
You got me? When that hunger comes on, uh, it's on. And so you and you can tell many times when people are in the in the congregation even though you might have you might have a job to do like you know the you know watching the machine for tapes and stuff like that but still that hunger's there because when something comes through as revelation you focus right in on that you know so you're always ready uh to to uh chow down at the father's table so that's that's what it really means is being ready to feast and have food and and to be able to learn to receive you know whatever it is that's going forth at the time you're open to it you know you're not trying to uh, be boastful or trying to act like you don't need God you know that that's uh you know uh Morty I've been living in a fool's paradise <laughs> look at that little lady that's Rachel's friend <laughs> on the uh the Swiffer commercial you know that little couple that's on there I'm Lee Kaufman and this is my husband Morty. Morty's sleeping all the time. Are you listening to me Morty? (laughs) So you know that kind of stuff. But you don't want to be living in a fool's paradise. You know you want to be living in the real world. She thought the house was clean and they give her a Swiffer and she got all this dirt everywhere. She knew it was dirty anyway but you know play it off like that. But, uh, you know, you you be real with God and be real with God's people. You know, I, I know a lot of times people getting in groups and, you know, you start sharing a testimony and pretty soon you're boasting on yourself. You know, and you got to we have to watch that kind of stuff, you know, just allow God to help us to be normal in him. Don't ever feel bad. If you feel out of sorts and out of whack, it's an indication that you're normal. You need more food. People, I don't know anybody. If I fed you once a year and told you to go somewhere and sit down and don't come back no more, you'd be highly upset with me. (laughs) Then we don't need to do that with God and his word. You got me? We need to be fed the word constantly, continually. The Bible says, let it be continually before your eyes, hide it in the midst of your heart, everywhere. What do you, what do you, you know, uh, look forward to, to spending time on? God's got to be up at the top, folks. Got to be up at the top of the list. You can't be breaking your neck to get home and turn on the television and see what's on there. I know there's a lot of stuff on there that's that's you know kind of neutral and doesn't do any harm. But it's what what are you what are you driving yourself toward? What's drawing you? In other words, uh, you got to let God draw you. You can't let things draw you and amusements draw you. Uh, as children of God, we have to set aside that that God time and as much time as it takes to get that hunger filled and get that that uh, weariness out of your spirit that lack a sense of lack out of your spirit that's a a a bell going off on the inside of you uh, to let you know that you do need feeding from God but but Jesus said boy yours is the kingdom of heaven you if you'll admit that that you have a need for me I'll definitely take care of you you got me he'll definitely take care of that so you don't have to look for that to that lack won't be there forever and that lack won't go unfulfilled he'll definitely take care of that 
because it's so common for people to be full of themselves you know the way the reason God rewards that so uh, so lavishly like he says if you lack wisdom you know and, and who doesn't but you know if you admit that to certain people you get put down for it and so he says you know I won't put you down he said I'll give it to you liberally just tell me the, that you need more you know so more of God is more of God and this is how you get rich in the things of God you get rich by admitting and confessing that you have lack and that you have need in verse 4 blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are they that mourn Hmm? now mourning really means to uh, it's a reaction to a loss to mourn means to be at a loss to know your lack to perceive lack to perceive loss so really being poor in spirit will will cause a sense of mourning you know it's not overt and it's not like crying tears sometimes it is but but that sense of something missing and and being it's a reaction an emotional reaction to a loss and it shows grief or sorrow and many times we 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 can reflect on a life uh, where we've made mistakes or we've missed it or or you know boy the years that I spent without God or the years that I spent dancing around the things of God thinking it was a game or you know something like that you know sometimes people who grew up in the church and and grow up in religion kind of play church games you know they just kind of don't really take it seriously and then they run into somebody who has a serious relationship with God and then all of that comes and they think about you know boy if I could have taken this seriously when I was a young person I could be here or I could be this or I could you know that kind of stuff so mourning is a a, um, a common reaction to a sense of loss a sense of having missed it maybe mismanaged some things uh, mismanaged money mismanaged youth uh, mismanaged uh, your physical uh, body you know sometimes people uh, drugs alcohol uh, you know fornication you know in, in being promiscuous all of that you know there's a sense of mourning for the loss of the proper way to handle yourself in some situations sometimes you'll look at people look back at when I was in school I should have been a better student that's a common thing that people say uh, you know I could have uh, focused in on this learning better this is all missed opportunities all kinds of missed opportunities and so sometimes uh, that that sense of of loss comes to us in a sense of mourning and I think when you come to Christ that's one of the things the sorrow at the the uh, loss of what a life in God would have brought you comes to most of us you know you you have a sense that there's a better life out there you have a sense that there's more out there you have a sense that there's something good out there and you missed it and you begin to mourn for that you know there's a a little bit of loss a little bit of grief a little bit of it's gone now Um, and many times as believers we that is so far from us after you've walked with God for a while you don't realize that there's there's that but you know you talk to people who want to 
come into the things of God or want a better life. And there's regrets all over the place. There's mourning all over the place. And it's not just for the loss of, say, a loved one or a marriage or, or children that are wayward or something like that. But it's really a loss of relationship with God. There's a mourning for the absence of relationship with God. Like, if I could have known that, back then well how would you have known it I I just didn't have God that's what it was I did it in ignorance and unbelief because I didn't really know how to reach out to God and so again when that 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 morning comes the Bible says you will be comforted now what does that mean comfort we we talked about that word before in relation to the Holy Spirit so when there's a sense of lack loss and mourning or death that's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit who brings life to come to us and comfort has to do more with a life-giving situation than it has to do with an emotional type of repair you know uh, if if you're only repaired emotionally uh, you know there's there's been no change there so that your days of mourning will cease see when you when you get life on the inside of you your days of mourning should cease or get less and less or you should see some improvement there um you know there's people in the world that have lost things and can't get over it you know, they just get stuck there. And, and, and see, it's because they're stuck in that place of death without life coming into them. So they need life-giving words. They need uh, words that will come to them and offer comfort for them. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. I've, I've found over the years that if you say less to the people who are grieving and pray more, and allow God to come in and minister to them as only he can. See some ministries are reserved for God person to person. Instead of an, a human being intervening there. And my feeling is always that if there's a situation where the words don't come to you from the Spirit of God. You know what I'm saying? If, if nothing comes to you, then prayer is what's needed and let God touch that person one-on-one. -on -one. Ask God to minister to that person. Ask God to do the comforting. And that's always the best answer for any of that. And so Jesus says that if we suffer loss, if we mourn for a loss, if there's something that, we, that happens in life that was hard for us to quote unquote get over then he is the one that will comfort us because there is a blessing there for you whenever there's lack God's answer is the blessing See, lack always points toward the curse. It always points toward some sin or disobedience or some mishap, something that's happened. And it's not your personal what you do, but sin is, is what's done to you oftentimes. Sin is what your neighbor does, uh, you know, and disturbing your world and so forth and so on. And so there's a disturbance there. There's something there that's caused the human soul to be not at peace and not at ease, but to go into a depression or into a mourning uh, where there's death shrouding over that person's soul instead of life and so he says 
And when you mourn, you will be comforted. And that comfort is definitely the presence of the Holy Spirit. Definitely the presence of the Holy Spirit. Brother Hagen uh, talked about a situation that um, that happened with uh, the passing of one of their loved ones. It was an older person in their family. I don't, I'm trying to think who. I don't think it, I don't remember who it was. They had so many cousins and younguns and weans and demons and uns and uns and usins. But you know, it was a cousin or somebody and it was an older person and there were many of the family members that had gathered in the house because they knew that person was close to death and they wanted to see that person before they left the earth etc etc and so brother Hagen said that he noticed that as soon as that person passed away uh, the spirit of grief started to descend and there were so many people there that it got started to get really heavy and brother Hagen said he began to speak scriptures hmm? we are not like those who have no hope but we will all be changed in the twelve death where is our grave where is thy sting and he said as he began to speak scripture that thing began to move and move off of those people and move out of that space you got me because death is swallowed up in victory you got me mourning turns to dancing mourning turns to comforting if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do what he wants to do but grief will take over a person see uh, a person who mourns and is sorrowful uh, that spirit of death is is capable of taking that person over and and not allowing life to come in and so that's a place where God wants to get involved because he brings life he brings hope and encouragement wherever the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life hope and encouragement and he knows how to minister what to whom and when you got me I've seen uh, um, ministers you know I know ministers who are very skilled at doing what we call home going services funerals whatever whatever and they know how to allow time for mourning and how to bring the service up to a place where people can lay that person at rest and have peace and go home peaceful you understand what I'm saying uh, people who aren't skilled at it tend to want to overdo the joy for some reason spirit-filled people want to come in there and throw in a party and you know not allowing you see what I'm saying when you when you know God and you 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 know you get a little wisdom take a few notes and <laughs> you know understand these things you know what to do and when now, some of them drag it out too long you know they never know how to bring it beyond that place and so uh you know they'll uh, I I have a little minister's handbook and it tells you different things to do and so forth and so on. you study them and you see where it's going there you know the good ones will lead you to a place of leaving those people in peace leaving them comforted and leaving them with as much as a human being can leave them <clears throat> you know at that time but Jesus says don't feel bad if you're mourning you know what I'm saying there's hope for you if you mourn because comfort means a strengthening comfort always means 
being upheld and you being strengthened as you're being upheld if you can imagine such a thing it's like you know sometimes when we have people in wheelchairs or on crutches you know I'll I'll walk with them that's what the Holy Spirit help is like somebody who's not sure on their feet and you know mourning getting up from a, a low place coming up to a higher place you're helped up and you're held up but you're still using your own strength to it you use as much as your own strength as you can and so that's a good thing about God he knows how fast to move us he knows how much strength is in us if we will allow God to do it you have to this is something you have to allow God to do um, people who hold on to grief um, beyond where God wants to help them you understand what I'm saying uh, I know that some things impact us more than other things but I think it's wrong to resist the Holy Spirit and choose to hold on to grief and hold on to mourning beyond where God is offering to help you uh, because that means that there's something there that you're you're worshiping something else other than God got me because God would have you lean on him let go of the morning and bring you into life but when you are sitting like sometimes people don't want to be around people they want to be by themselves you know too much of that ain't good because that's not normal to just want to you know because what happens is you start that self-pity thing and the enemy consoles you and tells you you know it's not fair look what they did to you and you know pretty soon you're mad at God and you don't even understand what's happened to you so it's good to let the Holy Spirit lead you let him help you and let him comfort you and not try to act out and take your own way of comfort just let God do these things so Jesus really is saying if, if you're in that spot trust me I got this I know what to do for you I know how to help you you don't have to try to help yourself you don't have to think you got to put on a happy face for anybody don't worry about people just let me take care of you so God will take care of you when you're in that that place so in times of difficulty see when things happen that don't go according to plan we have assurance that we are not alone amen that we will find consistent comfort see? it's consistent it's not not inconsistent it's there for you all the time it's not like God's gonna you know you know tolerate bad behavior I know sometimes people think when they're grieving that's an excuse for them to be uh, impatient with other people to be rude to people to all of these other things and you know we got to respect that because you're in mourning you, know, you understand what I'm saying it's not an excuse for bad behavior either you know mourning is never an excuse for bad behavior but mourning is something that that grips the hearts of, of all of us uh, depending upon the circumstances uh, sometimes people will will mourn and grieve in advance uh, I've seen God you know let people know that something was not going to come to its expected what you expected for some reason or another and there's a, a kind of a grief in advance now I think sometimes that's a protection for people if they'll take it that way uh, that they'll know I knew at some point my husband wasn't going to get well 
But that didn't stop me from speaking the word over him and believing God for him in case he caught on. You got me? And and could catch on to faith and, and provide that. But God had already prepared me with little things here and there. And it wasn't such a... Um, you know, like a shock, like some people, oh, what happened? I thought they were going to get healed. And they're like all in shock and everything like that. And I, I think sometimes they just haven't really been in tune with God. And because God can help cushion the blow in some things if we'll allow him to do that for us. He also strengthens and heals. He binds up our wounds. You got me? So that we're not so sensitive and touchy. I think people who, you know, go like a, a year down the road and they still don't want you to mention somebody's name, they're holding on to grief. See, they're too sensitive and too touchy, especially if those people know the Lord. You know, I mean, what are you, what are you so attached to this earth for? You know, I mean, come on, if heaven's your home too, you ought to understand somebody. If I had a body that was racked with pain, illness, and didn't really know from God that I was going to get better uh, I'd take the exit too folks you would too because I've, I've been sick for years where there seemed to be no hope for me and I know how easy it is just to say you know what God why don't we make another deal here I mean I realize you got all kinds of stuff for me to do down here Sarah Sarah you understand what I'm saying and as people get older they have that right you know, don't take that right away from them. Sometimes we, we are selfishly holding on to people because we don't want to feel discomfort and pain. Sometimes that's a selfish thing on the part of people. I don't want to go through that. I've been to enough funerals, you know, that kind of stuff. It's for our personal comfort that we want people to hold on. And, and so God in his wisdom knows how to prepare them for their next level of life eternal life off of this earth and so we have to let God be God and let people be people let them have God the way they want God too they got rights in this thing we don't have to keep them holding on just for us and so if and, and there are times when people are leaving the earth prematurely and God mercifully gets them back here you know some of the the uh Miracles we see of people who have had uh, experiences where they come out of their bodies and so forth and so on. You know, they talk to God and God, you know, and you say, well, it's not your time. And, you know, there was a, a gentleman and a, a gentleman that that had a, a very uh, difficult recovery. But he said God had told him when he put him back in his body that it was going to be hard for him. He said you're going to go through a lot of therapy. There's going to be more surgeries and all this kind of stuff. You know why he didn't heal him instantly. I don't know. But those are things that we have to look at. You got me. Sometimes you want to say I'm going to have to have all that. But I'll be with you. You understand what I'm saying? Knowing God's with you will help you to endure it. But some people don't have that awareness of God to know that, that things are going to work out for them. And they'll get in the midst of getting repaired and just give up because it gets too hard for them. And so we have to understand all of these things, folks. It's just not about us who are, are experiencing the loss. But it's also about the other person. But, but Jesus said, 
if you get in this spot rest assured that there's comfort for you see those words will keep you going when you know you could be failing in this you know because if you understand that uh, you will be comforted then it's it's not that hard i know when when uh my husband passed away i i kind of was thinking one day i said god i said this doesn't feel good i said i've it's been days now weeks now that kind of stuff and and but I could hold on to the word. See, I knew I could see light at the end of the tunnel. I was just still in the tunnel. But when you can see light at the end of it, you know you're going somewhere. I didn't know where that was, but I knew there was light there. It was going to be better. It was going to be better than it was. There were times when I told the Lord, I said, well, you wouldn't have taken him if you didn't think I could make it through this. You got me? You have to tap into God's mind and his wisdom. He, You didn't do this to me personally to hurt me or to see me uh, not make it through or to fail or anything. You have to keep those things. You have to talk to yourself. You know? Um, it, it's, it's tragic to see Christians that don't know how to have that self-ministry. You know, that ministry to yourself. And they go off uh, feeling like God's done something wrong to them. And the Bible says these things are common to man. Nothing's happened to you that's not common to man. I was thinking about this woman that lost all five of her children in a house fire. She just happened to be away from the house at the time. Comes home and, and all her kids are gone. It's just... There was a woman I remember her years ago. She gave her testimony at a women's ministry where I, she, her mother, her brothers and sisters. Let me see if I've got this right. She was an older child in the family. Her all her brothers and sisters died in the house fire, and she got to be an adult. Got married, had five children, lost all of them in a house fire. You see what I'm saying? But those things are common to man. The Bible says that. We think it's extraordinary. If you look at what the word says and you accept what the word says, then God can help you through it. You got me? Because that's what the truth of it is. It's, and the one, one thing the devil does is he gets us in common situations and makes us think they're extraordinary. Or we're the only ones. Or this is not right. This is happening to me and it's not fair. He'll feed your mind with all of that nonsense. And that's when you really need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You need the word to come in there and set your little mental house in order. And get you to understand some things. Uh, get you to understand that God does everything in a, a right and a just manner. He's not an unjust God. So there's no point in being angry at anybody. And just get over yourself and let's get over into some comfort. But but God gives us consistent comfort. Man. It means uh, it is, it, it's his um, interest in us. To make us of good comfort. See. That when we mourn. He's interested in making us to be of good comfort. That word comfort also means to invite. Or to invoke. Or to call near. Hmm. Comfort means to want someone. To desire someone. 
Sometimes when we're mourning, we feel like nobody wants us. Nobody loves us. Nobody wants to be around us. Sometimes you have a sense of abandonment when you're mourning. You know, well, you know, everybody's gone now, you know, and this kind of stuff. And it's like uh, people when they get uh, in retirement years, they start watching the obituaries, you know, and checking off <laughs> who left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They just get consumed sometimes with that. And if you, you let that take you over, you'll start getting depressed about it. You know, everybody's leaving them all. I'm the only one left at my. Right, you know what I'm saying, whatever. And so there's always somebody who's a hundred years old. I don't care how old you get, somebody's always got you beat on that. Okay. And verse five, what's important to Jesus is that we be meek, man, and humble. He said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So meekness carries with it inheritance. Humility in the sense of coming under the authority of one who is greater. Mm -hmm. So uh, a meek Christian comes under the authority of God who is greater and under the authority of leadership that God has placed over us. That means all of the above. God is not looking for the intelligent the aggressive or the hard working he's looking for the meek now if you if you humble yourself any other attributes that you need will be imparted to you but you come to god empty of your credentials now make yourself of no reputation even after god blesses you and gives you a name Sometimes he can give you a good reputation. Sometimes he can give you a good name. Sometimes a good report will follow you. But that's that's just put on you. You got me? That's something you wear. It's an endowment that God's blessed you with. That's not really you. That's something you step into. All of that mantle belongs to God. It belongs to God. Now we work in it consistently and it becomes a, becomes a part of us after a while. Sometimes you don't know the difference between you and your hard working little intelligent self. Huh? But those are endowments from God that we really can't take credit for. Because if we'll continue to humble ourselves, then we will find ourselves uh, being exalted even farther. And and then it gets a little scary because you think to yourself, boy, I can't, I can't move out from under this in God because I'm at risk at losing everything. You you understand what I'm saying? It's important for me to stay humble to God because of everything that He's imparted to me. It's it's a bad thing when anointings lift for whatever reason. You know, most people don't experience that, but they do from time to time. And you know, we have to understand what things to do to get them back strong again. Got me? Get them back strong. Like sometimes you'll go through a time of being very aware. Sometimes you'll hear a good 
a good uh, stirred up sermon about you know passing out tracts or making sure you talk to your neighbors or making sure that you share Christ or you know just open up conversation with people you know don't work, walk around with a sour face and scare everybody off but you know make yourself approachable so that people can can you can open up to people easily and so you'll go through a season of of wearing that and it just seems like boy let's let's get to the next one the next one you're like on a roll and then you step away from that for a season and it's almost like it's starting all over again back getting back into it again and and so we we have to understand though that when you humble yourself to God that power comes right back again you don't lose anything uh, nothing's diminished because that power isn't yours it belongs to God and it's at the level you need it to function uh, for him and function in him I would like to have more opportunities to share Christ with people. More and more and more. Because people have such a need. They do have a need for God. And so when you're, when you're working for God, uh, and it's good to never be off the clock, so to speak. You know, I know ministers, when they're not preaching, they're just rushing through everything. Don't want nobody to see them. Don't want to. Open yourself up to let God, you know use you in other places you know um, I remember remember Charles and Francis Hunter wherever they would go they pray for people you know because people recognized them and they wanted to be used by God to pray for people and they were very popular quote unquote famous people but they didn't act famous when they got somewhere you got me you know with all of this they say we you know we were there and we we're in the line in the cafeteria and one of the girls recognized us and we started praying for her and pretty soon more people came around and more people came all of that kind of stuff and so it's good you know it's it's like the good old days in the bible when those things happen you got me many times when the crowd wanted to to uh, come up to jesus he would make his disciples stop stopping people from approaching him you got me he was never in fear for his life you know especially people who have a need you know where he, you might get nervous you would think it would be legit around them stupid pharisees you know in the synagogue is where your problem is if you're anointed but he was able to keep uh, the ministry strong in him he humbled himself to the father wherever the father told him to go and to do he did that and there was safety there was protection there was never any fear anything would would happen to him uh, none of that we can live by faith folks in these areas we can definitely live by faith in these areas because there is faith to to be had there now there are times when when you know you have to to show some 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 strength in the natural show some a little bit of wisdom goes a long way you understand what I'm saying uh, but I'm not saying be overly overly about it don't don't let that come from you but let that come from God there's some things that just really need to come from God. And so the meek, you know, God says everything's yours. Humble people, you know, you'll be the, the last one to, to get everything because you'll inherit the earth. We are the final heirs of everything in this earth as as God's people, the meek ones. I'll put it that, I'll put it that way. The ones that, that please Jesus and do what's important to him. So it also means to be gentle, 
and to be humble that means easy for people to approach you easy to be entreated it means to humble yourself to the hand of God let the hand of God be heavy upon you instead of you being heavy handed humble yourself and let the hand of God be heavy upon you we're to be meek and gentle toward all men men easy to approach and approachable we have an inheritance because God can trust us with everything because we stay under him we look to him for our strength we look to him for our words we look to him for our leadership we want nothing of ourself or on our own and God is our portion and he's more than enough and we know that so we're not craving striving and hungering for anything else we just know that God is sufficient and he'll bring everything in our lives that we need you know you don't want anything in your life that God didn't bring there he'll bring it to pass he'll bring it uh, forth for you uh, because if he's your portion he's more than enough more than enough so sometimes we need to go to him instead of you know trying to figure out what to do with this and what to do and how to spend your time and who do I need to talk to and all this we just need to uh, spend that time with him and we'll find out he's got so much for us so much for us so as the final heirs of everything in this earth we have much to rejoice about we have much to be excited about and so that's part of the meekness of God there's an excitement there about what God's going to do there's an excitement about who he is there's an excitement about what he's planned for you meekness doesn't mean dry and, and dull and uninteresting and slivering on your belly and begging for everything meekness just means that you bow down before God you acknowledge his lordship you acknowledge his power his headship you acknowledge God as being the one who calls the shots in your life and you don't you know we, we need to quit taking chances you know as believers and you know God doesn't care and God doesn't he cares about a lot of stuff he really does he cares about everything that we have anything to do with I would imagine sometimes God says boy if they would just trust me if they would just get beyond considering you know what I'm going to eat what I'm going to drink how am I going to have fun what am I doing with my day off you can go somewhere and pray with your day off you can go somewhere and sit down and meditate you understand what I'm saying We're always making plans for stuff like you know this is so important it's so important for us to humble ourselves to the Lord you know think what four good days under the word would do for you I just look at what what we can accomplish in ourselves at the conferences three or four days if you let everything go and just let God have that time with you you know the the change that can be brought about and people that have come from out of town sometimes and come to the conferences and they'll talk boy I I never seen anything like this I've never but yeah because you're allowing God to have 
uh, full sway in your life. You're allowing him to have his way for once, you know, instead of, you know, going to church, looking at the clock, figuring out what you got to do afterwards. All that's that's gone. If you submerge yourself in the things of God for several days at a time, all of that watching the clock and and that kind of stuff is is just gone out of your mind, you know. And you can finally focus in on God. You know that's why they used to call them retreats. You know, you retreat from the day to day life you retreat away from the everyday and spend that time totally uh, in the things of God <clears throat> sometimes when I see some of us working too much too hard too focused on the task we have to do I have to pray about that and and get it to where people don't have so much to do and they can get to the meeting and their focus can be get to the meeting and, and that kind of stuff so it's one of those things where there's a balance there and uh, but there is is something about staying under the hand of God that's that's it pleases the Lord he likes it when he sees us at the throne room he likes it when we come to him asking he likes it when we come to him seeking he likes that and that's all part of humility uh, toward him so it's a good thing to stay in that place where you know he can bless you and stay in that place where uh, you're not concerned about you you know the meek aren't concerned about themselves they've given concern over to God you know God cares for me I don't need to have to try and take care of myself anymore he cares for me I had to stop looking at my checkbook so much you know I noticed uh, for for years when I was married I didn't want to see the thing you know for good reason I was I was usually the train wreck that hit it, you know. <laughs> I saw it as uh, forensic evidence. <laughs> I wasn't there. I didn't do it. What day? What time? Do they have a video? I wasn't there. <laughs> So, you know, now when my husband passed away, I had to be, you know, concerned about it. I had to do the, the books. And then I started focusing too much. And finally dawned on me, God, you cared for me before you care for me now. You know, I'll do what I need to do and do my bookkeeping, do what I need to do. But I'm not going to be watching the bottom line all the time. And uh, so concerned about that because he cares for us. You know, being responsible is one thing, but being, you know, crazy is something totally different. So, you know, so you can be responsible without being worried and fearful and so cautious you can't live. You know, God wants us to live. And that's why he cares for us. So the meek have an inheritance in the earth. Remember that in this life if you humble yourself to God in this life uh, you have an inheritance that means you don't have to fight for it an inheritance means that as long as you're humble to God he leads you to what is the provision it is that he has prepared for you he leads you to abundance it's not just scraps and it's not just barely enough but if you stay humble to God, he'll lead you to abundance. There is an abundant life there. And if we stay humble to God, we'll get it. I've, I've seen that happen and I've seen it almost happen in other people's lives and I've seen them miss it. Because they got an idea. 
you know it was coming to them and then they got an idea and it didn't come from God they quit humbling themselves to hear what God had to say and stay on the trail they lifted up their heads to to do it themselves and they lost the scent of what God had for them so don't be the person that loses the scent of what he has for you you stay on that trail because you'll you'll be able to get the great blessing you'll be able to to buy the property that's uh you know 10% of its value you know at a markdown and all that kind of stuff you'll be able to get the car that's got low miles on it and you can pay cash for it that kind of stuff you'll be able to do those things because God will put you on but you got to stay humble to God you know you can't um, take credit for these things you've got to stay uh, where God wants you to to be what time we got Miss Wada yeah we, we might as well stop well Father in heaven we thank you for allowing us to know what pleases you Jesus we want to know how to please we want to know what you expect out of us we want to live for you that's part of living for you is studying your word, understanding what you honor, understanding what you love, and understanding what you respect. So we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.